But, uh, you know, one of the things that you'll notice here today is that there's a chair up front that has uh, a flag on it, and it's a symbol of our country, and today it's symbolizing the person that's not in the room because they lost their life to conflict while defending our nation, okay? Now, there's a lot of people that have all kinds of triggers and all kinds of things when it comes to uh, our country, to the flag, and all those kinds of things. But let me just remind you of the original intent that this, this flag represents. It's a, it's a flag that represents freedom. And that freedom came at a cost. Just like our faith came at a cost, our freedom as a country came at a cost. And one of the things that happens is, is that we get busy with our life and we forget about that person that's no longer with us or that contribution that they made so that we could live a life that makes it easy to forget people who have given their life. Are you, you follow me? So Memorial Day weekend is a time, there's two different focuses at Memorial Day weekend. For some people, Memorial Day weekend is a three-day weekend. It's a vacation, and it's a barbecue. And some people have had brisket getting ready. It's not, right now, it's on the grill, right? And for some of you, uh, your family is coming together, and friends are coming together, and you're going to be hanging out together and enjoying the life that you live. And that's a great thing. But there's another group of people that when Memorial Day comes, their mind immediately shifts to that missing man or woman that gave their life, okay? And so I would say, let's take some time. In a moment, we're going to receive communion, and we'll have some time to, to meditate and be thankful and give our hearts and, and our minds and our our thoughts and our appreciation to the ones who have died for us. Can we do that? Yeah. Okay. I know that's kind of a heavy thing, but it should be. Uh, it should be, it should be a, a, a solemn thing. It should be a, a real thing that, that touches us right here. Okay. Now, what if you were a person that could do both things? Have a great three-day weekend and party, right? The way we do. Okay. And be a person that remembers and is grateful. Right on? Let's, let's make sure that we do that. Um, so today is kind of a remembering day, right? Uh, this idea of remembering, because like it's, uh, Tyler mentioned the uh, Pentecost Sunday, where we reflect on, on when people were filled with the Holy Spirit and the gospel of the kingdom went out to people of all different languages, and those people went back to their countries and took the good news. Oh, that's a beautiful day. It's when it left Jerusalem and went into all the world. So it's a big celebration. A good reminder for all of us to remember the reason that we received the forgiveness of God and the freedom that God gives us, we should be passing it out to others everywhere we go, right? Okay. And then the other thing is we're celebrating 25 years as a church, and so we're kind of reflecting, yeah? Yeah. Now, some of the things that happens when you celebrate um, uh, 25 years, like an anniversary of anything, right? There's people that are celebrating with you that were not there when it started, right? And uh, so I kind of want to do something today. I want to 
take us through a process of what I call remembering. I got a definition for the word remembering. It's uh, made up of two, well, kind of two words, a, a word and a prefix, okay? And I think we have a definition. Does the, do we have it back there in the media? Maybe not, okay? Well, the word member, start with the word member, to be a part of a whole, to be connected to a whole, okay? So like with a body, um, my arm is connected to my body, okay? If my arm leaves my body, it, it's the life of my arm is going to be, uh, it, it's going to perish, okay? Uh, and so the idea is all of my members, my head, my arm, my feet, my legs, all, all of it is part of a whole, but it's not the body. It's part of the body. The same thing with the body of Christ. We are all part of the body. Okay, so we are members. A member means a part of a whole. Now, re means again, okay, to do it again, okay? So when we say remember, it means reconnect. It means to remind ourselves, to, to put the members back where they go, or to go back and revisit. When Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he was saying, think back about me. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But this idea of remembering uh, is, is a really important thing. Um, in the framework of good psychological thinking and, and living and good theological thinking and living, oftentimes we tell people to forget the past. You ever heard that? We got to forget the past. And I'd say never forget the past. Never forget the past, okay? Redeem the past, okay? Reframe the past. Um, don't focus on the past. Don't make that your vision. Don't long. There's some people that long for the old days. They remember back when we used to do hymns, or we remember back when we used to do this. And, remember. and so they long, and they, they wish that the direction that everything went went back to the way it was when we were a kid or when we were a teenager, or when we were a young adult, or when we were first married, or when we first had kids, or when we had kids, and, and those types of things, right? And so they're longing for what was, and what was becomes their vision for the future, but it never comes, and then they get disappointed. Or then they kick themselves because they're taking the past, and they're looking at the future through a broken past, and that's not good. So the past should never be our focus. The past is our wealth of wisdom that we access, okay? Some of our past is painful. Some of our past is damaging. Some of our past never should have happened. Some of our past is things that we totally blew. We ruined it, right? We destroyed the marriage or we destroyed the relationship or we destroyed whatever it is, right? The business. And so... When we look back at it, if we take what we did wrong and we use it as, I'm always making these dumb mistakes, you know, then we'll continue to do that. And that's why people say, forget the past. What they're saying is, forget the mistakes that you made or the hurts that have wounded you and all that. Move on to the front. I get that piece. But remember, your most painful things have the greatest amount of wisdom stashed in there. So we don't forget it. We go back and we access it, okay? Now, it's the same thing with people. 
Um, while we're remembering, we have to remember some of the people that have got us to the place that we were today. So can I reflect a little bit with you over the last 25 years and, and kind of show you what I kind of do when I think back at the past and I look back and I remember some of the things? I got some peop, different people that have shaped you, whether directly or indirectly, that have shaped me, and then those people, then I shape you by the stories and the examples that we leave. So let's look at the first one. This first one is my mom and dad. Now, some of you have heard stories about my, my family and some of the tough stuff we've been through. This is my mom and dad. And, um, and as most of you know, uh, my mom's life ended in a very tragic way when I was about 20, I think I was 21 years old at the time, and, or 22. And, uh, but my mom was super creative. My mom was really great with words. She uh, was a brilliant student. Uh, and uh, my dad was a very hardworking and a very committed man. And so um, I have attributes from both of them. And uh, some of those attributes have helped me over the years. Like my dad was committed. He just stayed at things for a long time. And he was hardworking. I used to admire my dad working up at our cabin. With a, I, I remember I was five years old, and I wanted to use a pick because I saw my dad breaking up that dirt with that pick, and I wanted to lift that pick up and use it, but I couldn't even lift it up a couple inches off the ground. But, man, I wanted to. But I remember the day that I was old enough to pick that pickaxe up and use it. And I learned a hard work ethic from my father. And that shaped me. And my mom, she taught me how to love people, all people. It didn't matter who they were. She found something good about everybody. Everybody that was bad, she could find something good in them. And so I tried to do the same thing. And so to this day, when my mom unfortunately took her own life because of the mental illness that she had, I made the decision that I was going to commit my life to helping people that feel the same way I was feeling during that season of my life. And so, Real Life Church is here because of my mom. There you go. All right, next one. This is Bob Smith. I was a lost young man, 17, working in the shipyard, 18, working in the shipyard, and he reached out to me and started telling me about Jesus. Um, and he was very patient with me. He's the one that led me to going into youth ministry once I gave my life to Jesus because he invited me to church. Uh, and uh, eventually I became a youth pastor, and, um, and he changed my life. And I, I was headed one direction, and because of him, I went a completely different direction. And that's why we have a church today, is because of this man right here. So I remember that. Right? Next. All right, next one. All right. You'll see off to the right, there's Nana DePaul. Right after we started Real Life Church, I met Nana DePaul. He was helping us break down our church because we were mobile. He's a short little guy. I could barely understand him because he had broken English that was really hard to understand. He invites me to Africa, and I go to Africa to a remote village where he is the chief. He was the chief. He's actually a paramount chief, one of five paramount chiefs in all of Ghana. And so I met him. And through him, 
I was able to meet a number of different people, including a young man named Patrick. He was about 12 years old at the time. And Patrick came to me, and he took me on a tour of his village. And I sat down and talked to him and all of his friends that were with him. There's about 20 of them that would follow us around the whole village. And, um, uh, and that's, that's Patrick now with his family. And, um, and Patrick said to me, he says, I said, tell me about your village. He says, we are the smallest tribe and the poorest tribe in all of Ghana. And I said, oh, well, why are you poor? He says, well, our, our great-grandfathers were poor, and our grandfathers were poor, and our fathers are poor, and we are poor, and so our children will be poor. And I said, no, not anymore. And he says, sir, why is that? And I said, because the Mo, because they are the Mo tribe, I said, the Mo will be poor no more. And the lights went on in him, and he followed me everywhere. And to now he has a nonprofit organization that we as a church fund in Ghana that supports orphan children and is teaching young people how to take care of their environment because they've destroyed it. And now they're rebuilding it and getting rid of sickness and disease in the marketplace and all kinds of things. And now here he is with his family and his child, and he's actually got two more since that picture. And uh, this man has changed my life. All because of Nana, who changed my life. Amen? Yeah. All right. Next one. And then we go back. This is my assistant. Me, I photobombed this picture, as you can see. Uh, and th that's her son, Kurt, Nora Matthews, and Kurt Von Eschen. And Kurt was just, uh, mm, this was right before we started the church. And he was our first worship leader. And Nora was my assistant. She was my assistant for 27 years. As a youth pastor, and then here at the church, she was. And now her and Al are with Kurt in Alabama, where he is in, uh, overseeing worship and different ministries at the church that he's at. Uh, but he served faithfully. He helped me start the church. Uh, he was like my right-hand guy, and she was everything to our church. She was the church mom uh, for a long time. And so I'm very thankful to them, and uh, they were a tremendous blessing to me. I don't want to forget them. Amen? Yeah. Next one. Ah, Kevin and Meg Holland there on the left. Kevin was the pastor of this church for 24 years. Uh, before that was Patch Pastor Richard Martin. It was uh, when I was very depressed, in a very depressed state. Uh, Pastor Kevin Holland came to me because uh, he knew that I was bummed out that we did not purchase the Lake Retreat property that we were going to put our church in. My wife was excited, and I was depressed. And, um, and I think uh, Noel and Taylor were excited, too. But I was depressed. And so Kevin said, hey, let's get together. Let's talk. This was about a month after I, uh, we found out that we couldn't pursue the Lake Retreat property. He said, what do you think, you know, about us putting our two churches together? And maybe we could co-pastor or something like that. But I want to kind of retire. And I was like going, hmm, that's an idea. 
I didn't want to go to Covington because we were out in Maple Valley, and I was thinking that we'd put our church out on our 90 acres that we own in Black Diamond. And I was so, that deal didn't go, that lake retreat thing didn't go good, and it was going to be too expensive to build out there. And I thought, well, maybe we should at least entertain it. And then I was reminded of a dream I had six years earlier that I shared with our elders. I said, I had a dream that Pastor Kevin in Covington came to us and asked us if we should put our churches together. And I'm supposed to, he's going to, we're going to move into that building. We're going to take care of Kevin. And that's exactly what happened. Our elders told me, he said, when I told them about that dream, they said, well, you know how dreams are. Sometimes they're actually literal and sometimes they're metaphoric. And so if it's really of God that this is what we're supposed to do, don't do anything, just wait. So I did. And then I forgot all about it. But then I remembered it after when Kevin said, hey, let's get together. And so it didn't take me long to pray about it because I was reminded of that dream. And here we are today. Okay? Yeah. So I'm thankful for those two. Uh, and uh, and it, was a, it was a beautiful uh, marriage. Next one. John and Mary Martinson. Yeah. So John and Mary have been faithful parts of the church that was here before we merged. Okay? Covington Christian Fellowship. John is the one that took the, the, this field out here and turned it into a park and, um, and did a wonderful job. It used to be all sticker bushes and scotch broom. And he's volunteers. As soon as he retired, he wanted to make his life count, and he wanted to do something for the Lord. And so he went in to help in a couple days a week. Now he's here almost every day. But he loves working out in the community garden and, and running around with his tractor. And uh, he's added a tremendous amount to our church, okay? John is a, a wonderful man, and his wife Mary is a sweetheart Mary and him have, have been so faithful to this church, and I owe so much to him. All of you do as well, and so always remember John and Mary Martinson as ones that help make this environment what it is today, okay? Yeah. Ah, Rick and Tracy Hines. Rick's over here, sitting over here. Uh, when early on, when we bought the 90 acres, we needed somebody to help steward it. Uh, we found all these uh, mountain bike trails that were dangerous, and so we, we destroyed them, and then the whole community got mad. Uh, the mountain bikers got mad at us because we destroyed them, and they called us Get a Life Church. And, uh, and <laughs> they started writing things about Get a Life Church, <laughs> and, uh, and so Rick brokered a deal with the mountain bikers, and we decided that we were going to go ahead and intentionally build a mountain bike park out there while we were waiting to build our church out there. And uh, we had no idea that we'd be, wind up here someday. And so uh, Rick has been stewarding that property for, gosh, 15 years now. And we've got, uh, we have hundreds of people that use those trails on a regular basis. We have Tahoma mountain bike team that's out there uh, practicing every week and with about 50, 60 students. And, uh, it, and, and Rick has just been one of those guys that is just... He, a, a random creative like me needs a guy like Rick to remind them of what the boundaries are and where not to step, okay? And so I really appreciate Rick because he is, 
He's been a blessing to me personally, but a blessing to this whole church. And most of you probably don't even know who he is. And, but he has given thousands of hours of volunteering. And so I will always appreciate him. There you go. All right. A couple more. Off to the right, you see Debbie Hartsock. Debbie Hartsock has been a tremendous uh, partner with us, uh, with the storehouse. She is the president of the storehouse, and here she's being uh, uh, sworn in to be a city council member for Covington. She's been a blessing to the storehouse. She's been a blessing to us, uh, but she's a blessing to our city. Uh, She's an inspiration to me, and uh, her husband, Lloyd, is the one that put together our Garden Railroad out here, and I think it's going to be going today after church. He fixes everything on our property because uh, he can fix anything. Uh, but uh, I just appreciate her. She's an amazing woman. Let's give it up for Billy. Yeah. One more. There you go. There's Rod. Rod, Rod, Rod started our daycare. And uh, our, our, we have 110 kids in our daycare out there. And uh, he did a great job with us for a long time now. Uh, we have Malia Malnetti, who is now the director. But Rod was the inspiration and the start of the, the daycare. And we appreciate Rod for what he's contributed. Amen. All right, next one. And then there's my wife. My wife. Yeah. Now, most of you don't understand my wife's role, uh, you know, or maybe you do. I don't know. But. Um, when we first started the church, she ran our women's ministry, and she had prayer meetings in her house every, every week, and uh, really what helped us get launched off with uh, our prayer ministry and our, our women's ministry and all that. But the thing, the biggest contribution that she has made uh, to our church is how she has managed our family and our home and our, our hospitality that we're able to do in our home. Uh, she is the one, she keeps me from making all of the most serious mistakes and any mistake that I've ever made, I can usually hear her voice saying, I told you so, I, I, you, you should never should have done that. And, uh, but, babe, I appreciate you so much. And, uh, yeah. and in Philippians uh, chapter 1, if you look there, Philippians chapter 1, um, we have this passage where Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, I think, uh, or the flipping people, I'm sorry, he's, he's writing to the flipping people, and he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This was a a word of appreciation, but the key word in this is that Paul would remember people. He would think about them and pray for them. And this list of people that I just showed you It's just a small amount. I look around this room and I see people that actually should be up on that slide show right now, but I can't get everybody up there. But there there is there's something about remembering and appreciation for those people that have had a role to play in your past. And Paul was really, really 
really good to remind Timothy and the different churches of the role that they played in their generosity and their, their hard work and their sacrifice and their gifts and their talents and their abilities. He was always very affirming. And uh, to this day, I want us to start thinking about some of the people that in your life that have spoken words of wisdom, words that have kept you from making serious mistakes, uh, people who are responsible for introducing you to the Lord, people that are responsible for, for helping you get off drugs or out of your addiction, the people that spoke into your life that kept you from shipwrecking your marriage or kept you from shipwrecking your health, and begin to reflect back on those people. And, re- and re, again, member with them in your heart. Yeah. This is what Paul did. He says, I thank God every time I think of you. I think of you. I, I'm just thinking of you, and I just feel good. Okay? Some of us, the people we think about, we just get angry, or we get bitter, or we get frustrated, or we get hurt, or we get wounded, or we're triggered, or whatever you want to call it. But we, guys, we live in a day where we need to start remembering, okay? Remembering. Now, Paul, um, in 1 Corinthians 11, if you go to 1 Corinthians 11, he talks about some things to the church. And he, and he explains to them that, um, that there are some things he's not happy about. He's some, he, there's some things that he's not digging that the church is doing. And, and I'll, I'll give you a summary, and then we'll read it. Overall, he was, he's frustrated with them because they were gathering together, and they weren't thinking about each other. They weren't becoming one. They weren't becoming members of one another. They weren't becoming the body. And so Paul gives this amazing discourse in 1 Corinthians 11, and he says this, in the following instructions, starting verse 17, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm is done, more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you, when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that those who have God's approval will be recognized. Okay? What does that mean? What that means is the person with the right spirit, will, it'll be obvious. When there's divisions, there'll be people that respond in a Christ-like way, and there'll be people that respond in a fleshly way. Okay? And so then you'll, you'll recognize that. Okay? And then in verse 20, it says, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you are, in, you are in a hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? See, what would happen is they'd get their, the, the people that didn't have to work out in the fields and do the, the long labor, they would come early, and then they would eat all the chicken. You know, and they'd be eating it up, and then the poor would show up, and there'd be bread left, right? And there'd be grease on everybody else's face and on their fingers, and they'd be like woofing this stuff down. It was good stuff. And so they would share with each other. 
But the ones that had to work all day, they would get there, and they'd get there late, and they didn't get nothing. Have you ever been to one of those potlucks where the first person that walks through the line, they start heaping everything up on their plate, you know? Or you go to the pizza place, you know, and, and you order a bunch of pizzas for everybody, and the first person goes through and takes seven pieces of pizza, and they just stack them up, you know, it's one of every kind on there. And then by the time the last guy goes, there's like one piece, one measly piece left on the thing. Because they didn't think about the rest of the people. You can always tell somebody that, that, that is aware of their surroundings because when the last piece shows up, they won't take it. They just won't take it. Well, some, most of the time. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, what? You don't have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say to this? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly do not praise you for this. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Would you take the cup? You just hold on to it for a second. You don't open it up yet. Just hold on to it. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. So what's he teaching us? Paul's teaching us how to, and, and Jesus, Jesus and Paul, is showing us how to remember, to reconnect back. Okay? Now he's just using this word body. He says, this is connection with my body and my blood. Okay? The sacrifice that he made with his body, his physical sacrifice. And the sacrifice he made by receiving the sins of the world and shedding his blood. And so when we, when we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup, we're remembering, we're reconnecting with Christ's body. But remember, Christ's body is not just his physical body. It's the body of Christ. We are the body. Many parts making one body. So look what it says here. It says that, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Notice that this is an often thing. They do this on a regular basis. Basically, he was taken to two most common things, the bread and the wine. This was something that people in this culture, this is what they had, okay? Oftentimes, the wine would um, keep them from getting sick, right? Because some of the water was bad. But the bread was a sustenance thing. It was something that everybody could access, the rich and the poor. And so what he was doing is he was taking these two things together, and he was saying, this is something that you do on a regular basis. And so every time you do this thing that you do that is, uh, doesn't seem very sacred, that you turn it into a sacred thing by letting the, the bread and the, and the cup 
remind you of what I did for you. And then you reconnect, okay? Now, look at this. He goes, so every time you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Okay? Notice this. Guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before you eat it. And, and, uh, and drinking of the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink of the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are sick, weak, and some have even died. Now, here's the key, bringing it all to this. The reason that when we come together, we're coming together in a common union. He says to examine ourselves. If we don't examine ourselves, we'll be guilty of the body and the blood. And so, when we think about this, when we think of examining ourselves, we always think, oh, I've got to examine and see if there's any sin in my life. Because if I, if, I, if I drink this cup and I don't examine myself and I don't confess my sins, then I'm going to bring judgment on myself and then I'm going to be weak, sick, and die young. And I think you could probably come to that conclusion. But what Paul is talking about, because of this discourse, he's saying, this whole situation of you guys eating without thinking about somebody else is a big deal. You guys are coming to church and you're not thinking about each other, he says. You guys need to think about each other. And when you take of the Lord's, the, the Lord's Supper, you've got to think about the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. So when we examine ourselves, we should be thinking about all of these people I had on the screen. And you have your own list. And you might have hundreds of people on that list. But you also examine who are the people in this church. Are you connected? Are you members of this? Have you connected in with the body? Because when we examine ourselves, we start thinking about these people as differently than just a, a, an audience. Unfortunately, we have this room set up like an audience looking at a speaker. And really what we should be doing is we should have a big circle with all of us looking at each other where we see the body in which God has brought us to. And so this examination is we examine the body of Christ, not just our sins, but we examine who's missing, who's sick, who hasn't been here for a while. Who, who are we supposed to be connected to? Who should we show our appreciation to? We've been taking our kids to that kids class week after week after week, and we've never said thank you. But when we examine ourselves, we realize, man, I should wait until everybody else gets here before I start eating. You see what I'm saying? I'm not going to go through this worship experience only thinking about myself. I'm not going to sit here listening to teaching just so I can get fed. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to this experience with this body and I'm remembering. And so, when we think about the past, we got to remember these people that are in our lives. But the past is like happened 15 minutes ago. And some of you have walked in here, and you greeted people at the door, and you greeted people out in the parking lot, and you greeted people that are sitting next to you in the meet and greet and all that kind of stuff. But as we go out, let's not forget who you just met. 
Let's make sure we connect. Don't be the first one out the door and then just say, see you later. Get to know a name so that the next week you can say their name when you see them. Are you following what I'm saying? Because this is, was the intention of the Lord with the Lord's Supper is to connect people at a meal, to connect people at a place where we have a common union. And then all of a sudden, now when we look backwards, we remember, we reconnect with the whole. Last thing I'm going to say, I know we're a little bit over, but I got to say this. This couple weeks ago when we lost our friend Tom Chase, Really tough thing. He was a part of Covington Christian Fellowship, and when we merged, he was the guy that took care of making sure every chair was in the right place. He managed the keys to make sure that, you know, all the keys were accounted for, made sure the place was secure. He was a true deacon. And... uh, His wife in his last days gave him the most beautiful benediction I've ever seen in communicating to him the value that he brought to her, to the family, to the church. It's a beautiful thing. Even the hospice worker said, man, I've never seen anything like this. She shifted into remembering, remembering. So she chose anything that created any tension. She got that out of the way with him. And then started reminding him, remembering all of the beauty that he added to the family's life and to the church and to their friends. It's a beautiful thing. But the really cool thing that happened is that as... Tom was going through his last few weeks. Wow. People just started showing up. Meals started showing up. And Kathy was reminded of all the people that have meant something to her in her life. And she also knows that some of the people will be coming in three weeks from now, four weeks from now, six months from now. But she started noticing, man, I didn't realize. She did, but she didn't realize how many people she was connected to in this body. And her sister noticed it. Wow, you've got some great friends. It's really unique. It's because she was connected. She had re Remembered. Remember coming over to the house, and um, on one of the days, I don't, I think it might have been the day that Tom passed. And I'm, I pull up to the house, and I see Doug Evans, our 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 guy that ma- manages the building, right? And he's just standing out across the street and just standing there and uh, I said Doug what are you doing he goes I'm just standing here I said well, were you inside he says no no I didn't want to bother Kathy 
I said, well, are you going to go inside? He says, no, no, I'm just, just standing here. Just praying for Tom. Just here. I think that did more for Kathy than any, anything, right? Just the presence. Sometimes we forget what our presence, just being here and standing with somebody is, right? Okay. Not all of us have a connection like Kathy does or Tom did, but we can build one by remembering. Let's take communion. As we receive communion this morning, on this Memorial Day, let's close our eyes. Let's reflect on, maybe there are some of you that have loved ones that have lost their life, or you know somebody that does. They lost their life in service for our country. Don't you hold them close to your heart right now? I want everybody to think about the person that introduced them to the Lord. The person that helped transform you. The person that helped save you from yourself. Think about the people that warned you, protected you, gave to you, contributed to you. That sacrificed for you. Would you remember them right now? Add them into the body of your life. Grab the stories, the memories that are helpful and healing. Bring them in. So, Lord, we take the sacrifice represented in the, the bread, and we eat it. His body broken for us lives sacrificed so that we could have we remember and Lord we take the cup the cup of forgiveness we recommit ourselves to forgiving people because we've been forgiven and so Lord as we take this cup and we drink it we forgive because we've been forgiven Y'all stand to your feet. You can pass those cups to the end of the row. You may not be going to a grave today to put flowers on it, as is a, a tradition that we have in our country. But you could. But you also could reconnect, remember. So I, I want to pray this prayer for you and then send you on your way today to party. Because now we've done some reconnecting and now we can have a party and celebrate the gift that has been given to us of eternal life, eternal friendships, 
and uh, a fun future. Amen? Lord, I, I bless this congregation. I pray that as they go, the Spirit of God would be with them on this Pentecost Sunday. That they would take the gospel everywhere they go and connect with people everywhere they go and help move the ball forward spiritually for them. And Lord, I pray that you would give us your spirit, your Holy Spirit, to give us the right words and the right methods and the right steps to take in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.